We're going to look at a, a verse that's probably quite um, known to us. And, and sometimes there's these verses that we think we know, but then really we don't know. Because just growing up, we've been taught a version of this verse or some of these verses. And, but when you look deep into it, the context, then we end up getting something very different than what we um, have been taught growing up, at least in my case. And so this is a, uh, a verse that, again, we, when we hear it, we automatically assume something, right? And so we're going to dive in and look at that. And, and here it says, Jesus gives abundant life, but who comes to still kill and destroy? But who comes to still kill and destroy? Uh, again, I just want to welcome our guests here. And uh, again, our pastor, uh, Jason, he's out of the country in India. And so uh, uh, please be uh, in prayer for him. And, and, um, and so as we go farther, let's just read this verse. I have a lot to cover, so I want to make sure we uh, have enough time to, to do that. John 10, if you have your Bibles, let's do the old school thing. Say amen. Amen. It says this, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And let's pray. Father, uh, we do come before you, Lord. We come before you uh, empty-handed, Lord. We come before you uh, in need to, to hear from you, Lord. Father, without your presence, without your spirit guiding and leading us, we are incapable of, of comprehending these words, Father God. Scripture does tell us that these words are, are from your breath, Father God. They're powerful. So I ask that you would um, uh, teach us, convict us, Lord, uh, especially in these verses we're about to, to cover, Lord. Uh, they can be uh, uh, tough to understand, Lord, and, and sometimes even to apply them in, in our uh, time today, Father. And right there where you're at, will you just take a few minutes and just ask God to open up your heart, uh, maybe clear your mind from any distractions, any um, burdens from this week, Lord, that in just, just in these next few minutes you would uh, be able to uh, be, be attuned to what he has to say to us. And so, Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask you to be glorified this morning, Lord. And we do pray for our pastor as he's in India. Continue to um, give him strength, health, wisdom, that he, that he will be full of your spirit to be able to accomplish the task that um, he's been given during this time there, Father God. We love you and we praise you and we ask all this in your name. Amen. And so in this verse that we read, for, for most of us, that's a popular verse, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come to give life. And, 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 and if you were to go and ask 10 people, probably 9 out of 10 people would say, the thief is who? Satan, right? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And ultimately, that is the case, the, the, the principle that will be Satan, the devil. But in this passage, who is he referring to? Who is Satan using to come steal, kill, and destroy. And some of it has to deal with what we, uh, in Sunday school, what Brother Doug has been teaching us these last two weeks. And so I want to dig into it. So in order to, again, as, as Pastor teaches us, in order to understand a verse, you've got to read all the verses. You can't just pick one verse. So let's go all the way back to uh, verse 1 of chapter 10. And it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, and this is Jesus uh, and his seven I am statements. I am the good shepherd. And he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. They do not know the voice of strangers. 
confused with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Then verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So were you able to, to kind of now with, in context kind of put into perspective or, or, or get a glimpse of who Jesus was talking about? This is Jesus speaking here. So who is he referring to? Verse 1, I say to you, By the door, but climbs in by another way. So the thief is a, is a is a thief, right? I remember years ago, I uh, I was living with some 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 roommates, and and we had a, a thief break into our home, right? He didn't come knocking on the front door. He didn't come uh, uh, ring the doorbell and see if he can come in. While we were gone, he just went in through the, a window and and then just destroyed our home, right? And so here Jesus is saying the thief is somebody who doesn't go to the door of the, of the sheep pen. That is that the thief, right? And what does the thief come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. So here Jesus is saying it's not really the devil. It's, it's people who don't want to come in through the sheep pen but who go in a different way, right? And this is kind of a, an ancient uh, uh kind of what it would maybe look like, uh, a, a sheep's pen. And, and again, that was a common trade back then for the, for the Hebrew Israelites. But And stay in this place, then the truth of the shepherd will come on his feet. Verse 8, let's go to verse 8 real quick. All who come before thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not. Again, Jesus speaks, so who have before me are, who, are what? are thieves and robbers. So who is he talking about? False prophets, false shepherds, false teachers. They have come. Remember, uh, people have come, were coming before proclaiming, coming, um, saying, you know, they were the Messiah. Uh, many different people coming and, and saying they were the shepherd, but then neglecting their sheep, Right? And so, here Jesus is saying, many have come before me. Those are the ones who are thieves and robbers. So now in context, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? The false prophets, the false teachers, their motives is to come and steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Sorry, I, I like to use PowerPoint. I like I, I just kind of one of those things. And so again, false shepherds. And, and and why is this so important to us? Again, in our class, Peter he warns the the church. He writes to the church. Colossians, Paul writes to Colossians to warn them. Uh, he writes to Galatians to warn them of false teachers. Uh, Paul tells Timothy. Paul tells Titus to to be on guard. He tells Jude. Uh, Jude writes about uh, you must be uh, on guard about. Society, it's a, it's right. Now you, if you dare to call somebody out, man, you are you are called judging somebody, right? And and, and man, and it's hard. But Scripture teaches us. And let's read that verse again in Second Peter. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. He will who, again who will secretly bring in what destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, 
bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Again, destroying, destruction. And many will follow their sensualities, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will explode, exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Uh, Matthew 7 uh, 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are you will recognize them fruit. And this 15, everybody wants to quote Matthew 7, 1, do not judge unless you be judged. And, and, but a couple of verses down, they, they, they don't read this verse. Beware of false prophets. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and perform do believe see whether they are from God We we are coming to children of God as the church, as the body of Christ, test everything. Why? Because of what we have just read in verses that false prophets will come. False teachers will come. And what is their motive? To come and and the, 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 the sheepfold to destroy, to kill, to steal. That is their, their motive. So scripture is clear to be careful and alert about false teachers. And so in John 10, 10, Jesus makes it clear that he is referring to shepherds and teachers as the one who comes to, to kill, steal, and destroy. So what does that have to do with us? It has a lot to do with us, right? Uh, for the church, again, our uh, our, our job is to to as and it goes both ways as the shepherd and as the the members of the church we are called to to hold fast to scripture to understand truth and, and to guard who comes in here and again i want to be clear we we want everybody to come in here right jesus came to 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 save sinners right so all are welcome to come in we want every person to feel free to come into these doors, to hear the gospel. But at the same time, there's some that come in for one purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy, to, to bring division amongst the body. Um, any of you have any experience in a church, maybe, where that has happened? I know for, for, for me growing up, um, my dad's a pastor, and I would, I would just see people, you know, and I was young, you know, 10, 11, 12, and I would just ask in my mind, like, why do you come to church? I mean, every time you come, you just complain. You just, you just never happy. You're always mad, and, and you're always doing this. And, and just in my mind, you know, young, 12, 13, 14-year-old, I just like, I, I just don't get it. But now I get it because there's people, that's what they just have come to do, come to bring destruction, right? That was one of the reasons why in my early days I didn't want to be a pastor. I said, Dad, you deal with them. I, I, I'm fine, you know. But the Lord has called me to, to, to preach his gospel. And so for us, we have, uh, and again, in this time, um, our, 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 our churches are getting bigger and bigger, but really um, not really spiritually, right? I can take you to a church in Houston that's a mega church. Mega church. I mean, they meet in an in, in arena, but if you were to look at the teachings of what is being taught, it is not, it doesn't go with what Scripture teaches. And for somebody to say, man, be careful with this person, be careful uh, with their teaching, don't, uh, don't read their books, then, then you're the one who's called a heretic, right? And, and, and if you... It used to be the other way. I mean, you were, you were called to point out, right? And now people uh, just, again, don't, you shouldn't judge people. You shouldn't be. And it's kind of, there's a difference between uh, uh, judging and, and biblical discernment, right? Judging would be not even knowing the guy, not even hearing a sermon, 
and already accusing him to be a false teacher, right? But when somebody has their sermons all over internet and you hear multiple, multiple, and you read what they're what they teach and you study what they teach and it doesn't add up to to scripture, then we as leaders, as shepherds, should be willing to, you know, with all with, with respect, not um upon these false prophets, but that God would open up their eyes. And really that God would open up the eyes of the of the of the sheep who are in that congregation, if we want to call them sheep. Because then we're going to look again, God's sheep hear his voice. Right? And so what does that have to do with us today? It, it, it's, it's sad, but we have to be uh, uh, willing to, to dig deep into scripture. And I'm grateful for our pastor who just even, even uh, challenges us to make sure he's preaching what, what is true, right? How many pastors do you hear say that? They just say, just take my word, right? Just take my word. Believe me. Trust me. No, pastors always you know, go check scripture. Check with it. Make sure it's lining up with, with what I believe, right? And I know for some of us, I, you know, I didn't grow up in the, in the doctrines of grace. You know, my dad's a pastor. I grew up. And so now, as I'm, about eight years ago, I just started to read scripture. And some of it is like, whoa, this, now it's making sense. You know, they're, uh, you know, yeah, you know, but some of the things taught, and, 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 you know, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church convention, so some of the things, uh, you know, you just kind of wonder, why? Because now I'm going to Scripture, and I'm, I'm, I'm digging in, and I'm not just reading one verse, and, and I'm, I'm, okay, Jesus, what do you have to say? And so it's very important for us because, again, our churches are filled with uh, malnourished Christians, right? Peter talks about that. You know, he, he says, man, you guys are still drinking from a bottle. You haven't got into the, the, the meat, the steak. You haven't got into the food. And the sad thing is, is that you're content with the bottle. That you don't, you're happy with the bottle. He goes, no, but you should desire the true, true words. You should grow. And so, for us, uh, let's look at John 10, 2-4. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And so for us, it's just, um, how do we know, how do we determine who's a good teacher and who's a bad teacher or who's a false teacher we want to give them that name or who's a good teacher right and in scripture again it gives us uh, plenty of of uh, words and truth to look at so uh, turn with me real quick to first timothy because again it, it, this is our 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 job as the body of christ to be in tune with with who comes in the church right uh, First Timothy, Paul, Paul writes to, to, to young Timothy, and he gives him some, some instructions, right? Uh, what are the, the, the qualifications for an overseer, overseer a, a pastor, or the term shepherd? Again, now we've come to, the, to the, a time where most pastors don't even want to be called pastor or shepherd. They just call me a leader. Why? Because when you look at the term pastor, man, pa- the, the role of a, of a shepherd, there was a lot of things they had to do. There was a lot of work that they, they were required to do. And so now churches have become more like of a CEO. So let's get a guy who doesn't really need to be a shepherd, but as long as he can uh, give orders and, and, and be good speaker and draw the people in, then that's who we want. But here Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy, saying this, chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, or there you can put a pastor or a shepherd, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, 
he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, household, how will he care for God's church? He must not become a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, moreover, he must be well taught of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and to the snare of the devil. Right? And if you were to read Titus chapter 1, again, Paul gives pretty much the same description of what to look for at, for an overseer. All right? So he, he's young Timothy. You st- stay around in the festas and, and build yourself uh, elders in the church. And these are the type of guys who you will want, type of guys who are above reproach, guys who are not lovers of money, who are husbands of, of one wife, who know how to manage their home, right? So a good shepherd, um, those are the, 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 the qualities that, that the Bible puts for a good shepherd. And there's a reason for that. Uh, let's look at First Peter 2 real quick. First Peter chapter 5. And this is Peter writing, First Peter chapter uh, 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And then here's the command. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but, eager, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock, right? So there he says, you know, your job is not to, to be doing this out of greed or, or out of uh, 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 domineering. It's, it's, a, it's one that cares for the flock. You, you shepherd them. You lead them. And so we're going to look at some, some things about a, a good shepherd and John he goes, he enters by the door. So the thief is the one that comes and jumps over the, the fence, right? The robber, the thief, he's the one that doesn't go in through the door. He jumps in another way, right? Uh, when I was in Guatemala, you know, there's tons of churches. I mean, there's churches every, every corner, every block. But in some of the cases, you go and you talk to the pastor of the church and you ask him, you know, like, hey, how did, how did you come uh, to be a pastor? How did you know you were going to be a pastor? And some of them just say, I just woke up one day and I just, I need a job, so I'm going to become a pastor, right? And so they start a church and they just oh, put a sign on their house and this is a church and come. And I was like, okay, so who, who, who who's... What church or who gave you the, the affirmed your calling, right? Who, who watched your life? Who walked with you? What education did you get? Uh, how, did, how did you get to this point? And for a lot of them, and, and probably in India or all these, a lot of countries, uh, you just get people who, I just, I'm going to just start a church, you know? There's no um, a true biblical uh, pattern in their life to, to see if they were called to be a pastor, right? So that would be somebody who jumps over the fence, not going through the proper door, coming into the church, being, being seen by the congregation. Are you living a life worthy? Do you meet the qualifications, right? So he enters by the door. And you study a lot of false teachers, man, they have some crazy ways of how they become a pastor or how they felt they were going to be in leadership, right? And so um, he enters by the door. Number two, he knows his sheep, right? John 10, he says that the sheep comes and he calls his sheep by name. He knows. And again, in our time churches are getting so big, so big, it's like, how does a pastor know his congregation? And again, I'm not here to, to criticize or to put down these big churches, but at the same time, a pastor should know his congregation. He should know his people. Um, that's one of the duties, again, of a shepherd. A shepherd knew his sheep. 
And that's kind of hard because if you look at sheep, they all look the same, right? A lot of them, I mean, there's very few things to, to separate them, but a shepherd knows each one of them, right? Um, let me use the illustration with Justin, uh, Justin Shaw. He has some cattle, right? And when I look at those cattle, there's about eight of them or seven of them. To me, they all look the same. When I look at them, I, couldn't, I can't tell a difference. But Justin, he, this is Betsy, and this is so-and-so. And I said, how do you know that? Because I know my cattle. I know my sheep. And a shepherd knows his sheep. A pastor, a true shepherd of a church, he's going to take the time to build relationships, to know us, to, to be real with us, right? Um, one of the beauties of, of having pastor live near the church now, man, we're going to get to know him even better now, right? And that's, and that's the, beauty, the beauty of it, that the, 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 the pastor knows us and we know him, right? And that's the, the, the way the shepherd, shepherd knows his sheep. Man, he knows them. He leads his sheep. Not only does he know them, but then he leads them, Right? Our favorite uh, passage, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What? He leads me to green pastures. He leads me to, to still waters. So not only does he know me, but then he cares for me. He cares for me to lead me to food. He, he knows me to lead me to water. He will walk with me through the valley. I think for me, one of the, uh, my time in the hospital a few months ago was, man, having pastor there. And I was only a new, a new person here, right? I, I mean, technically, uh, I had just been a couple of weeks, and already the pastor was concerned about that, you know. Um, and for some of you, you, that might not be a big deal, but for me, it, it's, it's amazing to see a pastor care for his sheep, right? That's what a pastor does, right? Psalms, he, he goes, the shepherd will go and anoint the head of the sheep. Why? When the sheep would get stuck in the thorn bushes and they would rip them out of the thorn, it would rip uh, 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 wounds in their head. And that's what a shepherd would do. It would come and anoint with oil. Why? Because that's the job of a shepherd. He leads his sheep. And last but not least, he lays down his life for his sheep. And that's just something about when you look at some of these pastors who are not in it for the kingdom, but in it for themselves, uh, they don't follow these things. They don't know their sheep. They could care less if you're struggling, if you're there, if you're having a hard time, if you're in sin. They, as a matter of fact, they'll, a lot of them will, will um, make you feel you're okay in your sin. Verse 11 of John 10, it goes, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so these are things that we, we can look for. These are things that we desire in, in a shepherd, in a pastor, that he enters by the door, that he's one who's called, who's been, who's been uh, truly uh, set, a, set apart, who shows uh, fruit that he's been called to be a, a pastor. He knows his sheep. I mean, he takes time to... to to build relationships with us, to, to um, get to know our, our, our goods and also get to know our, our bad, bad things. Um, but he does that for the sake of leading us. I want to know you so I can know how to lead you. Right? I want to know you so I can know how to guide you in this journey. Um, and then it, ultimately, you know, he lays down his life. Right? I, I tell my dad, I, I can see that in my dad, and, you know, there was times where I'm like, Dad, why do you do that for? These guys hurt you. These guys, the church, um, uh, there's some mean people in church, right? But then my dad said, that's just my job is to lay my life down for them. I love them. I care for them. I lay it down. So then we look at um, not the shepherd's way. And if you have a Bible, let's look at Ezekiel 34 passage because... um, You know, God is always referring to, to, to his people as sheep, right? And he is a shepherd. And then here he's, a, um, he's giving a prophecy to, to Ezekiel because 
uh, you know, the sheep are always wondering, right? Sheep, they're always uh, not kind of not obeying attention. attention. They're uh, doing the things. But here is because uh, of the shepherds of Israel, the people who were in place of, of Israel, they weren't really good leaders, good, good shepherds of the flock. And so verse 1 of 34, and again, this is the prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. And again, it's more referring to the, the leadership, but again, it's always used um, similar with, with the shepherd, because that's what a leader would do. A leader should be like a shepherd, right? And that was, um, again, that was a common job in the Old Testament, so they would relate well, understanding in that form. And so here, Ezekiel, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, oh, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourself. Right? So verse 1 is the shepherds of Israel, Israel the flock. And number 2 is what, what uh, uh, not a good leader would do. is He will feed himself. He's more concerned about him and not the sheep. Right? Verse 2 He says, thus says the Lord God, all shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? So that's the job of a shepherd is to, to feed the sheep, to guide them. But here, the, the shepherds of Israel are, are, are first focusing on them, feeding themselves. Verse 2, they, they ate the sheep, right? Verse 4, no care for the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. You see that? Here's a leader, and he goes, the weak you haven't even um, bothered to take care of them. The, the poor you haven't even bothered to help, help them. You have uh, led harshly, right? You haven't given grace. You haven't given uh, mercy to these people. And that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd comes and, again, he puts his sheep before him. He, he, he feeds them. Again, if you're sick, if you're limping, the shepherd's going to come and, and fix you. If you need food, he's going to take you to green pastures. If you need water, he'll take you to still waters. He will come. He'll protect you. Uh, verse 5, and they're scattered for lack of guidance. Verse 5, and it says this, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they become food for all the wild beasts. And again, a, a church that doesn't have a pastor who, who, who gathers them, what happens is that when you leave the church, man, you're scattered and you're lost. You're, you're lost. You, don't, you, you have a hard time uh, discovering uh, what you were made for, what your, your purpose, uh, hearing God's voice. Reading scripture is because in here you haven't been guided, right? And so when you leave, you're just like, I don't know what to do. And that's a lot of Christians are like that, that we've come, we, we, we worship and sing, but as soon as we head out, how do I live this life? How do I live the gospel in my work? How do I live the gospel in my, in my school or in my community? How do I, I proclaim Jesus? And, and we're, we're scattered and we're lost. Because we haven't had a shepherd to guide and lead us. Praise God, here at our church, you know, we, we're taught. And that's the whole purpose of, of, of us teaching you scripture and, 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 and leading you to truth so that when you go out, you can be the ones to discern. You can teach. You can equip. You can lead people to Christ, right? Not just, um, oh, come here, the pastor, man. He's awesome. You know, he knows the gospel, not me. No, we, we should all know the gospel. We should all be equipped and desire to, to proclaim him. But with the, a true shepherd is going to um, guide you in that, right? He's going to lead you to do that. Um, I know there's a, in Guatemala, again, there's this big mega church. I mean, 40,000, 50,000 people. And, um, and when you hear his sermons, it's, he doesn't encourage his... Uh, congregations to read scripture. He's the apostle. He's the one that gives authority. 
right? And so you meet some of these members, and, and you're like, yeah, we don't, we don't read Scripture. Our pastor does that. And then you wonder, like, well, so why do you follow him? And, and he's causing destruction. He causes, I mean, there's millions of people around him who are in poverty, who poor, who just are, are dying because of dirty water. And yet this mega church, and he leaves in a helicopter, right? Craziness, right? And I was just boggling my mind. I was like, how do you not relate those two, that he is not a, a true uh, teacher of the word? And there's many who would defend him. Oh, man, he, he cares for us, and he loves us. And I, and I just, how do you know? It's because they've been scattered, and they haven't been taught truth. And again, this is in no ways to, to put down these um, pastors or teachers. It really is, Lord, will you open their hearts too? Because at one point in my life, I was leading people astray. Right? There was one point in my life where I didn't know the gospel, and I was leading people astray. I know just in my early days and and. and, and Speaking at camps, you know, the thing was how many people could come to the altar. And so that was the motive of doing a D-Now and revival. And that's what we were taught, we would learn from other evangelists. The way you were successful is if the altar was crowded, right? Because as an evangelist, you weren't going to get called back if there was nobody in the altar. And I remember some of my mentors teaching me that. And I, hey, Tim, we're going to, we're going to have, uh, uh, you speak, and then uh, when it's time for the altar, man, we, we already got two people from the youth group who are going to come and kind of break that ice, so they're going to be the first one to come to the front, and hopefully that would draw other people to the front. And or, You know, there was just different things that they would do to try to bring people to the front, and I, now that I look back, I'm like, what, 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 what was I doing? What were we doing? We weren't focused on preaching the gospel. We were focused on numbers and we really didn't care about the people. We just wanted to see numbers. Why? Because if there's numbers, and I get to come back again next year. If there ain't no numbers, nobody's going to call me, right? And that was the mindset for a lot of evangelists, a lot of pastors. Pastors, again, how do you know you succeed? How do you know if your church is successful? By the size of the church? By how many people, how many cars in a parking lot? And so, again, Satan will come, steal, kill, and destroy. He would put thoughts in, in, in pastor's mind. Oh, you're not growing because there's empty seats in your church. Right. And that's why we have to know God's voice. And, again, as a church, uh, praise God that, that, that man, we have uh, uh, a good leader, a good shepherd who guides us and leads us. And, and, I, and I pray that it's... We don't take advantage of that. I pray that we would absolutely desire to know and to grow. And again, not just to, to distinguish what's right and wrong, but also to go into the world and to be the light, right? To go and to share about what we know. Um, that's what we're called to do. Good news. At the end of that verse, John 10.10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that's true, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, man, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And Ezekiel, again, uh, at, the, at the last part of Ezekiel chapter 34, is uh, Lord's uh, covenant peace with them. And in, in, in verse 30, he goes in, And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord. And that was just a promise, and that's the whole story of the Old Testament of God saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to redeem my people. I'm going to come. I'm your shepherd. Others have come and they haven't done a good job. You haven't been obedient to you as sheep, but I'm going to come. I'm going to come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And then one of the, the seven I am, he goes, I am the door of the sheep. So, so Jesus first makes it even more 
personal, more true. He goes, you know what? Um, I am the door. You know, a normal shepherd would come here and there sitting at the door would be uh, um, a higher worksman. So the shepherd could go sleep, go get some rest at night. So there would be a higher worksman that he doesn't own the sheep, but he's just there to guard that. And again, he's only going to do so much. If he sees somebody jumping over, he's gone, right? If he sees a, a wolf coming or a bear coming, they ain't my sheep, man. I'm, I'm gone, right? But Jesus says, I am the door. In order to come into the sheep pen, you can come in through me, right? And what was Jesus saying? Through the cross, that's the door. That's the door into salvation. You have to come through me. John 14, 6, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You have to come through me. That, that's a bold statement. And that's why Jesus starts off in verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly. Truly, truly is, a, is kind of a, the, the Hebrew Greek word um, that kind of translates to amen, right? And we normally use the word amen at the end of a sentence or when we pray, meaning for agreement, right? When we pray this, your name, amen, right? We agree. Here, Jesus is using it at the beginning, and here it gives, um, it gives him credit, saying that this is truth. And why is it truth? Because the one who's saying it is true. So that's why he starts off, truly, truly, amen, amen. I am the door. He who comes in comes, must come in through me. That's good news. Right? That's great news for us. And then he goes, then I'm, I'm not only the door, but I'm going to be your shepherd too. I'm the good shepherd. John 10, 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And what did he do? He went all the way to the cross. He went, he was obedient to the Father. He went, he, he, he bled, he shed on the cross. And because of that, we be, can become his children, his sheep. And the good shepherd would never leave us, never forsake us. He would never leave us wandering. Nobody can snatch us out of his hand because he is the good shepherd. That's what the whole Old Testament's about, preparing us for the one who is to come, preparing us for the good shepherd to come for his people and to lead his people so that they may have life and life abundantly. And that's um, my prayer for us is that we as Christians, we would be able to discern um, what's true and what's not, that we would be able to hear God's voice, that we would be a church that's uh, built on truth, on the gospel, that we would desire to, to know his word, that we would be challenged. I know some of us, we come from tradition, you know, a lot of us, we bring different things. Uh, this week I was in a training at my work and people from all over the world, different denominations, and, and, and we're trying to go through some scripture and you're just amazed about what they believe, what people believe. And again, I'm not trying to come as, a, as one, man, that is wrong and that's bad. But I said, you know, if I was in their shoes, I would probably come that same way. People from different countries. But then it's like, okay, what does Scripture say, though? At the end, it's not about my denomination, not about what I believe or what I think, or what does Scripture say? And in that, we hear from God. Right? We know God's voice. God knows us. And we won't be led astray by false teachers if we were to take time to dig into Scripture, which that is one of the uh, problems that many Christians have, right? You talk to a Christian and, I mean, have you been in God's Word this week? And I just haven't had time. I just, man, I'm so busy and I just haven't had a chance to, to get in. And then no wonder why when the new hit comes out or this comes out, they're chasing it. They're after it. Because their ears haven't been attuned to the truth. And may we um, know the truth. But also, not just know it, but let's uh, live it in our community. How, how, 
it doesn't make sense just to, to know the truth and then not go out and proclaim it, share it. How do we love our neighbors? How do we love those who live across the street? Right? My prayer for you is that we would take John 10.10 10 seriously. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But that man, he, God comes to give us life and life abundantly. Life to the fullest. And that's where my heart breaks. because You know, I get to travel a lot. I get to visit a lot of Christians. And, and I tell you, one of the reasons why I enjoy uh, sometimes churches in other countries because there seems like the people are more joyful. They're more abundant. They're living in the abundance of Christ. And sometimes here, uh, it just, I meet people and I say, man, are you excited this week? Man, are you pumped up? And, oh, man, that just, and there's just nothing exciting about their lives. And when we know that God is our good shepherd, that should be exciting. We should desire. He is leading us. He is guiding us. He is protecting us. Who can hurt me? Who can, who can come against me? That should cause us to live in abundance. That should cause us to know that the shepherd, Jesus, the perfect one, the Messiah, he is leading us. He is guiding us. So wherever he leads, I'll go and I'll go with abundance. I'll go with joy. Yes, there's times where we're in sorrow and in pain, but ultimately we should, it should be in, in, in joy. It should be in, in joy living for Christ. Man, it's a, it's, a, it's a opportunity to get to travel and do missions. Not that I have to go do missions, or I have to come and be a part of a small group, or I have to come and, and be a part of this. No, it, it's, it should be joyful. It should be um, something that we should desire. Now, I just want to share this clip real quick. And, uh, and it's about a shepherd calling his sheep. And that's just a little example of a, of a shepherd. And did you notice the, the shepherd? How many times did he call? Multiple times. He keeps on calling. He keeps on calling. Because why? He knows that's not all his sheep. He knows his sheep. I got to keep on calling. That's the persistence of a, of a shepherd. That's who our Jesus is. He calls us. He keeps on calling. He keeps on calling us because 
Again, we believe that he is drawing his sheep to him. But did you notice that the sheep, what was, how did they come to the shepherd? Walking? Staggering? Like, man, he's calling me. How, how did they come? Man, they were running. Running to the shepherd. Because you also know the shepherd has some food there too. Right? But they came eat with, with gladness, with joy. They were running down. The shepherd is calling me. And, and I, I pray for us that we would, we would run to Jesus. He's calling. He's calling his own. He's calling his sheep. And I don't know where you might be. You might be stuck off in some bushes. You might be trying to run from him, but the shepherd is going to come and get you. He will come and find you. If you belong to him, he'll come. But he's calling. He's calling. And may we run to him with gladness, with joyfulness, with, with eagerness to serve and to say, God, here is my life. Um, one, one of the cool things about, the, again, this last week, though, is just these 40 people who I've been in training with, they're about to go live in, in Cameroon for the next year, some two years. Um, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, families, one guy and his wife and two kids, they don't even know what they're going to do on the ship. They just said, we just sold our house and we're going to go. If God's calling us, then we got to go. What are you going to do over there? I don't know. I signed up for this, but I don't know all the details, but I'm going to go. We're going to go. And that's just our heart, the eagerness. Is God, wherever you want me, I'll go. God, wherever you can use me, I'll go. You're the shepherd. You're the one who leads. You're the one who guides I can always depend on you. And that's what Christ wants. He wants us to come to him. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for 